Hello and welcome to the Daily Walk Heaven Words podcast. This is Father Stanislaw and I'm so glad that you have decided to take this further step in your life together with me. Hopefully the word will inspire us and will encourage us to pray for one another so that indeed we may continue to choose God above all things. Let's prepare ourselves to receive the word and let's bow our head, close our eyes and prepare to encounter God, he who reveals himself to us through his word. Let us pray. O God, who founded all the commands of your sacred law upon love of you and of our neighbor, grant that by keeping your precepts we may merit to attain eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus said to his disciples, a rich man had a steward who was reported to him for squandering his property. He summoned him and said, what is this I hear about you? Prepare a full account of your stewardship because you can no longer be my steward. The steward said to himself, what shall I do? Now that my master is taking the position of steward away from me, I am not strong enough to dig, and I am ashamed to beg. I know what I shall do so that when I am removed from the stewardship, they may welcome me into their homes. He called in his master's debtors one by one. To the first he said, how much do you owe my master? He replied, 100 measures of olive oil. He said to him, here is your promissory note. Sit down and quickly write one for 50. Then to another, the steward said, and you, how much do you owe? He replied, 100 cores of wheat. The steward said to him, here is your promissory note. Write one for 80. And the master commanded that dishonest steward for acting prudently For the children of this world are more prudent in dealing with their own generation than are the children of light. I tell you, make friends for yourselves with dishonest wealth, so that when it fails, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. The person who is trustworthy in very small matters is also trustworthy in great ones. And the person who is dishonest in very small matters is also dishonest in great ones. If therefore you are not trustworthy with dishonest wealth, who will trust you with true wealth? If you're not trustworthy with what belongs to another, who will give you what is yours? No servant can can serve two masters. He will either hate one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise 
Today we open the Word of God with this beautiful feeling, at least the feeling I have is like, what is going on with that gospel passage? Right? Well, let me tell you one thing. There have been more books and articles written about this parable than all about all other parables combined. It's the most complicated and bizarre gospel passage that we have. And we got it today. Aren't you glad you came? <laughs> so we can try to figure out. First of all, we have to understand why, what is the difficulty? The difficulty is that the major character of the parable is a dishonest man. There seems to be praise because it's dishonest. And then there is the whole talk about dishonest wealth with true wealth and somebody is giving you what is not yours, like, ah, oh, it's too much for Sunday morning. I understand. But guess what? But let's remind ourselves that, and we heard this in the opening prayer, that everything that God commands, every piece of scriptures, everything that we are bound to follow is given to us by God as a sign of His love. And it is meant for us to put it into practice so that we may love Him and love our neighbor. So we live the gospel because it's God's love for us. We talked about this last Sunday. And in doing so, we have to figure out if, how do we know if we're doing well? How do we know if we are really living the gospel, we're doing the will of God? Well, the first thing we have to ask ourselves is, am I loving God more properly? And the second thing is, how do, we, how do I know if I'm loving God more properly? Am I loving my neighbor more properly? One more. And how do I know if I'm loving my neighbor more properly? If I'm loving my neighbor as I would like to be loved. Okay? So that's the circle. So God's law, law God's word, is given to us out of love, and we respond in love. So, what is the challenge here? Well, last week we talked about the fact that God gave us those, uh, Jesus gave us those three parables because He made us understand that the way God treats us goes past justice. You remember we had the parable of the lost coin, the lost sheep, and the lost son. What do they all have in common? Is that the person goes out of the way in order to find what was lost. God, when he looks for us, is not saying, hey, you broke the covenant, you broke uh, my rela our relationship, now I'm staying here and I wait for you to come back home. No, that's not what that, that, that would be justice. But mercy instead is treating the offender better than what he or she deserves. And that's how God treats us. So it is Jesus that is constantly going out looking up for us. Now, whatever we receive from God is what we give. And how do we begin Mass? We always ask God, Lord, be just to us. No, what do we say? Lord, have mercy. And has God, does God have mercy on us? You betcha. And therefore, that which we receive is what we give. We always treat people better than they deserve. That's the difference that we Christians make in the world. 
It does not, to be merciful doesn't mean that justice is forgotten. It means that we go through justice to make sure that the person is always respected. Okay, so now we see the very same thing here. Uh, look at what's happening in, in the parable. First of all, let me clarify a couple of things. The concept of wealth. Jesus, especially in the Gospel of Luke, seems to be really mad at wealthy people. We have to understand, however, how he understands that. There is nothing wrong with having things. As a matter of fact, money and material things are given to us so that we can live better. But, and that's where the next step that Jesus wants us to make, money is also there to help others to live better, okay? So dishonest wealth will be the wealth that I get, that I have, but I'm not willing to share. Now, when we talk about wealth, however, it's not just the material goods, the money, but anything that we have. It could be a talent, could be time, could be anything that we can, uh, uh, we can use, and we are meant always to pass it on, helping others so that the whole community is lifted up. Whenever we forget that the goods we get are supposed to be shared, the goods become an idol. And therefore, as an idol, we are willing to sacrifice to it everything we have and everybody we know. Because the money becomes primary, our job becomes primary, and we forget that those things are there as a blessing, have to be bless us, but we have to pass it on. Okay? So do you understand what dishonest wealth, and that's how we understand it. There is nothing wrong with wealth, is when you keep it to yourself and you don't pass it on. Because I have something, I pass it on, you have something, you pass it on. And we build the, commun the community, we build up the kingdom of God so that everybody is lifted up. And that's the second difference that we Christians ought to make in the world. Are you with me? Okay, so now, and I told you, uh, if we don't understand wealth, for example, we can become an idol. That's why Jesus placed mammon. Mammon is a funny word because it means that which I lean against, thinking that it's going to keep me standing. Okay, so it could be wealth, it could be our opinion, something that we think it's, it's that is the good for me. And Jesus is telling us, no, go behind that. God is your only good. Because we can lose material wealth like nothing, right? And so that's why Jesus is placing it over and against God. Nobody can serve God as your only good, as your father, but then you rely on your own things. They just don't get along. So let's find out about, very briefly about this parable that is absolutely awesome. This man who is dishonest becomes our teacher. So, what are we supposed to learn? Well, first of all, let's find out what he does. And uh, I have to tell you, what he does is completely a mystery to us. Anyway, he was supposed to take charge. He was given a responsibility. He was given an opportunity to work for this incredibly wealthy and incredibly generous man. His master has been incredibly generous to his creditors. So, but he squandered that opportunity. And now that the master is encountering him, he's getting very concerned. 
and he's saying, uh, I'm going to lose my job here. So look at this. Where do we find the mercy? We learn that the master is incredibly generous, but then he's also very merciful. Why? Because he's telling this guy, prepare for an account. I want to see the books. That span of time basically means make it right. Okay, so he's treating him better than what he deserves. And what does he do? The master knows, ex the, the, the steward knows exactly that he has a very short amount of time to make it right. Because if the news goes out, he's a dead man. Nobody will do business with him. So what does he do? He goes around and he calls all the creditors. And he starts with the big one. And he says, how much you owe my master? And the amount that they have, that they, the debts that they have, is humongous. I know they, they are used unit of measures that we are not familiar with. We don't usually measure that in amount of how much oil you owe somebody, unless it's petroleum, but that's another homily. But so the amount is humongous. It's not a debt that they would have collected in one year, but over many years. And this guy says, okay, give me your invoice and I'm gonna give you another one. And the second one that he gives has 50% off. Imagine if you own the bank or something and he goes, yeah, well, let's, let's take 50% off. How would you go? Like, oh, all right, that's really good then. How can he afford to give that discount? This is what we don't understand because we don't know if he was taking from his profit because whenever you were a steward, you would charge a particular tax and that tax was your salary. This guy could not, however, because the discount is humongous also. It's 50%. Would he, would, did, did he have that much money? Did he steal that much money from his owner that he could actually allow uh, discounts like 50% and 30%? That's a lot of money. So we don't know what's happening there. But the point of the parable is the fact that he implemented his plan. Now, he is manipulating, however, and that's the beauty of Opeg, I think, he's manipulating the master once again. Why? Because he's placing the master in a very awkward position. Now, once the master finds out that he once again manipulated and he gave people a different invoice, the master, if the master was already very generous, says to the creditors, oh, I'm sorry, you have to go back to the original invoice. People would go, boo, we like the discount. And therefore, the master, although generous, would be alienated. But if the master would say, okay, I will honor the new invoice, he would be the super awesome guy. Don't you think? Because he gave a major discount to all his creditors. So, yay, we, we like that. So now, what is he going to do? The master sees the plan that this guy does, and he says, wow, this is pretty cool. He acted prudently. Now, let's clear the path. The behavior is not considered to be wise, so do not try that at home. I believe we really get in trouble if we do it, okay? The legal system in our country is slightly different than at the time of Jesus, apparently. So, second thing, the, the behavior, not wise, is also not praised and not given to us 
to be imitated. What we need to look at is the fact that this man, there was a crisis. He responded to a crisis. He had a plan and he implemented the plan. Jesus is saying, look at those guys. Look at the bad guys and see how committed they are to their plans. Sometimes I look at the news and I see people who come up with the most ingenious thing just to take money from other people, right? And I imagine like, oh my God, that takes a lot of talent sometimes to do that. Imagine if they would use it for good and not for bad. Have you ever had that feeling? This is what Jesus is saying. Look at those guys, see how committed they are to their plan, and think about this. Considering all that God has given you, considering all the gifts that God has given you, considering the life that God wants you to live in true freedom as a child of God, do you have a plan to make that life happen for you? Or do we think that we're going to get the blessing, that we're going to go to the next level of our spiritual growth just by showing up? Because sometimes, I have to tell you, especially when I was a young adult, I struggled with that. I thought that just by showing up to church, I would just become more mature. I'm still waiting for that to kick in. So, but for, and I tell you, you know, honestly, I also struggle as a young adult with confession because I used to go to confession and confess always the same sins. And I will always get the same penance and I will go back to square one. And it lasted until someone told me, dude, have you ever thought about changing your plan? And meditating on this parable, I realized, if I always do the things in the same way, I will always get the same result. Doing things in the same way, hoping for a new result, you know how it's attributed to Einstein. How do we call that? Insanity. So now we have to ask ourselves, considering the blessing that God wants us to have, and He made it available to us in Christ, what is the one thing that I have to change in order to get a different result? What is the one thing that I need to change so that my family life will change? What is the one thing that I have to change so that my parish life will change? Are you with me? Do you understand? Otherwise, without a plan, we ain't going anywhere. We're just showing up to places, to things. But if we have a plan and we change one thing, we will be able this year to experience something new. And that's what we want to look at. We want to focus on what we can gain this year as a community, as Christians, as we continue to pray. We want to thank the Lord that He is calling us. He's revealing Himself to us as a patient, loving, merciful Father who is telling us, would you trust me enough to lead you to a better place so that you can grow and your life can have meaning? And as we can bring to the altar our struggles and hopefully our yes, our willingness to say, here I am, Lord, I come to do your will. Let it be done to me according to your word so that by making a plan, we will be able to enjoy truly God's love in our hearts, in our lives, and experience truly what it means to live in the freedom of the children of God.
I hope that you too have been inspired by the gospel to think about it and implement a new plan so that we can uh, increase our journey, speed up a little bit our uh, path, our walk towards the Father, so that indeed in all things we can live the truth in love. I wish you well, uh, pray for me, and I'll be praying for all of you. And uh, I'm looking forward to break open the word and share the gospel with you next time. God bless. Bye-bye.